to two old guys on the back porch. I am Steve Scotch, and we have the lovely and talented cat. That's C-A-T, bringing on the heartbreak. You're bringing on the heartbreak. That was a Def Leppard song. Uh, Def Leppard, they were the shit back in the day, but now they're a big pile of it. Cat, what is going on? Hey, how y'all doing? We found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, all your premier podcast platforms. We also we found on Facebook and Instagram. Our two shout-outs today are in Europe. One is Baller Up, Denmark. With so many universities near Baller Up, Denmark. Denmark's, it's like Denmark's Silicon Valley. It has six business parks and houses Denmark's largest and most specialized businesses within clusters of life science, ICT, and fintech. Our other shout-out is Svit Germany. It's in the Brandenburg area. One of the cool things you can do there is you can take an alpaca hike. You uh, attach yourself to some alpacas and walk them around for 60 or 90 minutes and have a good time there. So um, we're also going to do a shout out to Tracy Chapman, who just got Song of the Year for a song she wrote 35 years ago. The on Luke, the Country Music Awards? On Country show? Music Awards. Oh, that's right. One of the Lukes did it. Luke Combs did it. He wasn't even born when she wrote that song. He was on, he's 33. The song is 35 years old. Good songs live forever. That's true. Anyway, uh, just to give you all a danke für or thanks for listening. All right. Shouting it out. A little slow on the button. All right. Uh, alcohol is what keeps us coming back to the mic. Now, let's be clear. An alcoholic needs a drink. I already have one. Jeez. Today, you guessed it, uh, my Manhattan. I love a good Manhattan. I can make a good Manhattan in its own. Cat, what you got? Um, when this comes out, it'll be Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. And I have a little butterball cocktail. Ooh, the butterball. No, no turkey involved. It's a, it's a basically... Screwball uh, bourbon? No, that... that yeah. That I didn't use. It's um, a little Bailey's and some butterscotch liqueur. Wow. Sorry. Need it's, to take it's, a sip. it's the creamy season for cocktails. That's what you said. I'll stick with it. <laughs> All right. Today we asked the question. Why does it seem like everything's gotten so filthy again? You know, during the uh, coronavirus. I know. COVID-19. You know, everywhere you went, they were wiping stuff off. Everything was getting super cleaned up. If you touched something, somebody ran behind you and wiped it off. And we've gone from super clean to super filthy. Now, let me say from the beginning, I think I've mentioned it before on other podcasts, I am a neat freak. God save me. I do have that. As, I, I've got a disease where things have to be in a proper order. 
Any area I dwell in, it's going to be in tip-top shape. Isn't that right, Kat? Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Hell, I work in an office that has a cleaning guy. He comes in every weekend to clean the office, allegedly. And I basically have to re-clean the office after this guy gets through. And we're just talking about this building that's got like, what, six offices and six other rooms? Right. We're not talking about a five-story building with 98 units. But it's just, you know, a little lack of effort there. The other day, I go to the doctor's office. I was, I don't know, it was like three little windows there you walk up to to sign in. And it was around Halloween. So was that a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whatever? And they had these little candy dishes there, you know, with Halloween candy in them. Who doesn't like candy, right? So I look down in the dish and I'm like, a little disgusting. Just pieces of chocolate wrappers, all shit laying in the bottom of the dish. I'm like, nah, I'm going to piece out of that. Go sit in the waiting room. There's this little table beside me. It's got little pamphlets on it, you know, get your shingle shot or whatever it was. And there's like this balled up tissue sitting there where somebody just, you know, hocked their nose in it and just chucked it there on the table. And I'm like, I'm in the freaking doctor's office where, you know, we're trying to keep this place germ free, I would think. And it, it was a fucking pigsty. Now, Another example, me and the wifey go out of town every once in a while. Kitty Cat usually hooks us up, what, high quality, not top shelf, but high quality hotels. I set us up good. She does. Now, we go to D.C., right? We're like six blocks from the White House. And this is before COVID, too. And we're just out. I remember we were just trolling around one day, and evidently word was out that the Prez was coming back home. So we see all these people, like, lined up and down the street there. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're all going to wave to the president. It was the uh, the dude with the orange face. Again, we're not going to get political on here. We the don't... former guy. And so he comes cruising down, cruising through with the bear... motorcade, right? And they're all waving at him, but they didn't have all their fingers up. They all, they all had one finger up and waved as he drove through. But we were at the, uh, it was one of the H hotels. Was it the Hyatt, the Hilton? Hilton or something? The what Washington Hilton. Okay. 200, 300 a night, right? This place was freaking disgusting. Okay. Go in there. There's like pubes all over the bathroom. The nightstand on my side had hairs on it. Must have been some hairy people in there before we got there. I, I don't know. And put it to, I never got under the sheets in this place. Okay, this is a high dollar hotel right down from the White House. I slept on top of the, of the bed, the sheets, whatever. And it's like, I'm not going to go downstairs and bitch about it because then they're going to come in there and go, oh, you don't think the room's clean? They're going to come in there and like wipe their butt with the uh, towels or something. We, we just lived with it, but it was pretty disgusting. And the hotel gig now, 
I don't know. I saw an article the other day. This guy says he has to travel around for his job. So he noticed that the hotel rooms are just not exactly clean. We went to Saratoga. I think we mentioned it this year. And during the day, we trickle on out, come back, think the room's going to be clean, right? Crickets, nothing. We go down to the front desk, not mad or anything. I mean, me and the wife are touching 60 now, so it's like we're not hanging from the chandelier and they're getting funky. The place isn't destroyed, but, you know, just some sheets, towels, or whatever. And the girl at the desk said, yeah, you got to request it. I'm like, okay, that's where we're at now. Now, he, here's one that, that's really got me worried. And that's when we go out to eat. <laughs> Again, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not walking around with a white glove. Okay? But when I go in Chipotle or wherever, and I see hunks of food on the floor, shit on the table, everywhere the drinks and stuff are, everything's just disheveled. disheveled. I'm like, what are we doing? Okay? I understand what, these places are understaffed, right? They're understaffed, but lately it seems to be better than it was during COVID where there was hardly anybody. Right. I mean... But maybe some of them are just staying behind the partition and never going across the other side where the guests are. Because they don't have enough people. They're trying to get, they're just trying to cook the food, get it out. Right. And the, the rest of it is just getting left behind. One thing I don't see in heavens is management. Where, no. where did they go? No. Are they They're working from home still, the managers of these places? Nobody's in there like, rah, 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 get this thing going. You'll have somebody who's taking, making sure the stuff is going out and going out right. Other than that, not much else is going on. I just, my fear is if it's filthy in the front of the house, what, imagine what it looks like back there where they're cooking it. Now, me and the wife, we like this place called uh, Buttermilk Chicken. Is that what it's called? Is that correct? The chicken place. Honey and butter or something like that? Okay. We go in there every now and then. They got the best freaking chicken wrap I've ever had. You just go in there, tap your order on an iPad, wait for them to call your number, go up there and grab your tray. It's good. We go in there. And the place is freaking nasty as hell. It's like 11.30 in the morning. We're like order number nine. There's no way this place got that trashed and it had only been open like an hour. And what it was was... Buttermilk and honey. Buttermilk and honey. The food is great. It's, it's starting it's to get tacky in there, sticky. Everything. <laughs> the floor is sticky. The tables are sticky. Again, great food, but it's it's nasty in there. And that's not there. just the chicken and waffles, okay? Right. It's and you look, and they've got two people cooking, right? And one girl standing there, supposedly trying to get the orders straight, kind of just staring out into space. Now, when this place first opened, you know they had to start up people there, right? Right. You know the people that don't live around here—they're the regional 
manager or something or so whatever. So you go in there and they're running around wiping stuff off, asking you if you want something, you need another drink, how's your food, all that, all that shit's going out the window now. And it's the, the thing that got me was the napkin. I know this is being anal. I, I understand that, but the napkin dispensers in this place. Am I wrong, Kat? I mean, there's like may- mayo and ketchup and right. shit all stuck to the side and the top of them. I you mean, have to ask for ketchup. It's just, it's filthy. The place is filthy. You know, here's another and it's one. it's good food. That's it is. That's part. what's pissing me off is I like the place, but it's it's creeping me out when I go in there. I'm like, ugh. Here's another one. The Cheesecake Factory. Oh, God. I think we've ripped them a new one before. We've been in there a hundred freaking times. There was a girl a few weeks ago. It was supposed to be her first date. Dude it takes her to the Cheesecake Factory. She she won't even get out of the car. This is my first date with you. You took me to Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> Some people think it's high end. It, 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 it's nice in there. The problem is me and Kat went in there probably too many times. It, it, whatever. The last few times we went in there, it's like the food went downhill. The service was a joke. But the reason I bring it up was... Uh, problem was we would go there right before 5 o'clock, and that's when shift changed. Yeah, we got jobbed. Whatever. So I just looked up reviews because I, I like to feel like I'm not the only one bitching about shit sometimes. And I saw a few reviews, and people were saying... That the silverware is dirty. And so the last time we were in there, guess what? I looked at it and I said, you know what? That dishwashing machine back there is not working. That silverware, you know how many mouths that fork's been in? I was like, yeah, we, we're going to stay away from that one. Anyway, I could go on and on and on about the restaurant stuff, but Kat knows, you know, I'm good at, you know, making things quick. So we'll go, we'll go one more. It was this place called the uh, Greek cuisine, which I think we brought that up. It's out here. It's whatever. It's a place in a strip mall. That's people actually supposedly like it. Again, there was no Greeks, no cuisine in there. And it's a, it's like a takeout place, but we sat in there. Oh my God. And the lady said, you know, just get a cup, go in the back and get your own drink. So, we go back there to the fountain drink thing and pick up two cups and like 50 gnats just like flew up in the air. And the sign that we should not have gone in there was it, it was pretty much a takeout place. People right. walk in, I, get their stuff to go and do not eat there. And that's what we should have done. Anyway, I thought it sucked off. The food sucked too. I didn't like any of it, but plus, I was just... Plus, the only Greek that was there was Mamacita, who was in the back, came out and yelled a couple of times at the two Hispanic girls that were actually doing the cooking. I, I'm just saying, if, if those people getting that takeout would, would go in there one time and sit down and try to eat, they wouldn't get anything. <laughs> they wouldn't get any more takeout from that place. And again, you know, the food service industry, I'm kind of picking on it, you know. I'm just talking about filth across the land, but no, nobody wants those jobs, no, right? Nobody no, wants it's to, a thankless job. It really is. I mean. Right. I mean, most places, like I said, they, they don't have enough people to keep going. Who wants to clean up somebody's mess, right? I mean, who wants to go in a hotel room? 
after some 20-year-olds went in there and skanked that thing up. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know. Again, just brought it up because there seems to be a like a total lack of effort across the board of keeping America beautiful. That that was some kind of message. It was an advertisement. Uh, I think we mentioned it a while back. The Native American guy was sitting there crying. Maybe we should bring that commercial back. Keep America beautiful. I dig it. All right, let's roll right into one tough son of a bitch. All right, this guy's a trip. His name is Branscombe Lamar Lunsford. Branscombe Lamar Lunsford. Look him up if you're into music. Born in 1882 from Mars Hill, North Kakalaki. Look that one up. His Mars father Hill. was a Confederate veteran in East Tennessee. Get back. I, I just got lucky. I was bouncing around on YouTube one night and found this documentary about Branscombe Lamar Lunsford. He basically brought mountain music out of the mountains and into the mainstream. He he just traveled around throughout Appalachia, what, uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, right. Ohio, through here, South Kakalaki, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and, and just beat the bushes through the rural areas. And when I say rural, I mean, this dude went up into the foothills of the Blue Ridge where these people... No running water. Right. Forget electricity. Nothing. But they'd be sitting out on the porch, you know, beating on a banjo, guitar, and playing these old songs. And he would just hang out with them. And it isn't like today where you have a radio and that's a popular song. You're going to play that song another place. They had their own songs, every single little holler. and Exactly. And he collected them in his brain. Okay. He didn't right. have a phone to record them on or anything. It was sort of like with... A.P. Carter did. Right. Uh, like in the 20s and 30s that pretty much put the Carter family on the country music map. And how he started this was he was a fruit tree salesman. So he's walking around trying to sell some fruit trees to some farmers, and he's hearing all these traditional right. songs. Right. And most of them were of church hymnals. Right. I mean, from church hymns, I mean. And... Appalachian music, believe it or not, that's where country music came from. Right. Okay. Even though listening to the radio today, you wouldn't know that. But he he started music and dance contest in North Carolina. And people came out of the woodwork to see these shows. And the good thing about Branscombe Lunsford was he didn't use and abuse these people, okay? He didn't, you know, glean what he could off the mountain people and then throw them to the side. He always wore a starched white shirt, black bow tie. That was kind of his campaign of well, going I mean, against he, the stereotype of a hillbilly. He, he didn't was want a salesman. He was trying to present himself to the people. Right. Now, his shows of, of music and dance, they would be going... going would go on to be known as the Folk Life Festivals. Right. Which popped up all over the country. He had a memory of over 300 songs, files he kept over 3,000 pieces of well, mu- music. He, um, 
had he, a collection, went to the Columbia University right. in the Library of Congress. He sat there for two weeks, like Kat just said, at Columbia University and recorded 350 songs by memory. Okay, by memory. All right. And then he uh, he recorded his entire repertoire that ended up in the Library of Congress. Right. I mean, the dude was just wild. I don't, if there's a movie about him, I don't know if they did. I can't believe they haven't done a movie about this Let's guy. It's called Spielberg. I mean, the story is unreal. And, and let's not forget, Branscombe Lunsford, his love, he loved dancing just as much as he loved music. And back then, they did this thing, they called it buck dancing, uh, which, which, that's what the, they called it, you know, the mountain people called right. it. And then it went on to be called clogging. Oh, yeah. Which kind of... Well, I mean, that came that kind blew of up. from the Irish. Right. And that was like a major form of entertainment. It still is today, where right. you have groups of people entertaining. Go to a folk life festival. Let me bring out some clogging in a minute. Hell, yeah. Now, here's a trip. He wrote this song called Good Old Mountain Dew. Oh. Most people know that song if you don't know anything about country music. But he sold the rights to it for like a train ticket or something. He, it wasn't a hit. It was, there were no hits back then, right, so no. he didn't know. And uh, actually, Mountain Dew used that song in their first advertising theme for, of course, the Mountain well, I Dew I used soda. to remember you know, the little hillbilly guy they had uh, the advertisements back when we were kids. Yeah. I know everybody's still hyped up about Oliver Anthony and his Appalachian music, but let's go ahead and give Branscombe Lamar Lunsford. Okay, this dude, check him out. It makes it, I'm going to say he's one of the toughest son bitches I've ever seen or ever heard of. All right, are we watching anything? We are watching, and this was a book I... Got to read before the show came out called Lessons in Chemistry. Um, the original book was written by Bonnie Garmus, who is in her 60s, had her first bestseller. And Apple got a hold of this book and they made a Chauvin series. It's about Elizabeth Zott, who lives in the 1950s. Uh, she's, a chem- she's a scientist, she's a chemist, but she really can't, you know, get where she wants to be because she is a woman. And instead, she gets fired as circumstances happen. She gets fired from her job and then gets a job uh, cooking on TV and on a cooking show. And then that's kind of what the story is about. My favorite actress, uh, Brie Larson, is in it. And Lewis Pullman, uh, Bill Pullman's son, is another character. And it's really good. Um, And it's a great story. If you're ever like a smart person, especially if you're a woman and you're in a room full of other people who aren't that smart, but are getting our head for other reasons, um, it's a good story to listen to. Especially if you think about a woman's place in the 1950s, she didn't have much. After World War II, you you were trying to put back into that home domestic life. Anyway, it's, I would recommend it. It's on Apple TV. All right. Let's get on with shot of the week. I need another one. Yikes. This one's called the Bloody Brain Shooter, which is definitely a Halloween shot, but 
Halloween kind of snuck on by us, but we're going to do it anyway. God. Now, the bloody brain, it's kind of simple. You do it in the shot glass. Fill it with, let's see, three quarters of the way up with peach schnapps. That's not the one I had. I had strawberry vodka. Then we'll do strawberry vodka three quarters of the way up. I got that from the cooking channel. And then you slowly drip in Irish cream. Right. And it starts to curdle, and it does resemble the brain, as Kat is doing right now. It does look kind of like a mess. And then you add a splash of grenadine and down the hatch. All right, Kat's got us hooked up. It's bloody brain time. Cheers, baby. Oh, you chilled it, too. I'm going to pop this thing quick. Oh, God, no. I would have said we should have went with mine that said peach schnapps. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck that strawberry vodka came up. The aftertaste isn't bad. No, that's not bad. It's just when the curdling hits it's your a throat, definitely you want to throw it back out. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. All right. Today we were bumpered in. You know who they are. They need no introduction. I can't, We haven't done the Stones before? No. Get out of here. Band of the Week. I know they're waiting for it. The Rolling Stones. How you like it, Mick? Formed He's on in, his edge. The Stones formed in 1962 from London, England. Of course, we got Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood, Bill Wyman, and Charlie Watts. We lost Charlie two years ago. Right. 2021. Uh, Bill Wyman, he pieced out as a bass player. Shit, it's been 20 years. He 90s. was only invited in the, be- in the band because he owned an amplifier. He was a good bass player. Damn, his bass runs are, are kick-ass. But even though Bill and Charlie are gone, the rolling cockroaches, they keep on rolling. And it's hard to believe. 60 years, right? Mm-hmm. Hitting the road, getting paid. Regarded as probably one of the greatest bands ever. Right? Right. Let's, let's call it that. The famous lip logo was designed after the Hindu, Indian Hindu goddess Kali of Destroyer, although Jagger's lips and tongue could also be an influence. <laughs> um, they also did the largest concert ever in the world. 1.5 million fans were at Coco Cabana Beats in 2006 for the largest concert ever. Hell yeah. Their early albums, you know them, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. Uh, Goat's Head Soup. I'm not even going to name all the great songs written by the Rolling Stones. You've heard most of them anyway. It was kind of, at the beginning, there was sort of a competition between them and the Beatles. And people who are into music usually get asked the question, right? Are you a Beatles or a Stones fan? Okay. The the band's long hair was kind of controversy. During Christmas holidays, 1963, the band placed an ad in the papers that read, Best wishes to all the starving hairdressers and their families. Oh, wow. Well, you bring that up because once the Stones, that that's when you know you're one of the top bands in the world. They don't even say your whole name. They right. don't say the Rolling Stones. Stones, man. Stones. They were actually. Did you go see the Stones? They were actually going to suit up like the Beatles. Right. That they were going to cut the hair, take a bath, and do all that. And then they said, "Fuck that. We're going to be the bad boys, right? Right. Long hair, ratty clothes, uh, no deodorant, a toothpaste. For hey, it paid off, didn't it? Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, 
recently the Stones just released a new album in October. I did listen to it, <laughs> and it was a hard listen. It sort of reminded me of trying to listen to the last Van Halen album Yikes. that was also bad. Oh, and, well, and I hate to see, you hate to see your heroes, right? Right. Do stuff that's bad. But this Stones album, it's called Hackney Diamonds. And I, I'm just going to say it's bad. The only thing to do with that thing is uh, just give it as a Christmas present to like a relative you don't like. But check, I, I hate to say, check out the Rolling Stones wherever you get your music. Jeez. But seriously, I mean... <laughs> Every week, you know, we say that, but I, I'm, I am going to say this. Young cats listening, if you're out there, go back and check out the old stone stuff. It, it's way better than any of this new garbage is out here. All right. I want to thank everybody for hanging out on the back porch, and we will see you all down the road. See ya.